And speaking of electoral politics and the struggle against fascism, we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about the latest uh, electoral news from New York to Brazil. And first, the good news. On Sunday, leftist presidential candidate Luis Ignacio da Silva, a.k.a known as Lula, narrowly defeated Brazil's far-right president, Jair Bolsonaro, by a margin of 51 to 49. Bolsonaro has so far refused to acknowledge Lula's victory, and his supporters are currently engaging in more than 250 highway blockades across the country. However, speaking earlier today, Bolsonaro said that he would follow all the orders and prescriptions of the Constitution, while his top aides have said an orderly transition would begin. Lula's victory was swiftly recognized by the White House and a number of Latin American countries and leaders around the world. Here's the reaction from one of Lula's supporters who lives in Niteroi, which is in the north of Rio de Janeiro, and who voted for Lula and has loved him. Nós vivemos o que o que nós vivemos em quatro anos de governo neste governo de Jair Bolsonaro foi como se fosse um We were living in a country of suffering in the last four years during Bolsonaro's presidency he had no compassion for Brazil during the COVID pandemic the people who lost family members like my brother who died because of his denial of the virus he wasn't the president for the people he was a president for the rich the consumer market under his power there was no dedication to public health education or any of the labor forces in brazil lula won this election because he appealed to the brazilian people that bolsonaro had forgotten about the northern brazilians the majority of brazilians living in favelas in our major cities the people who believe in equity and education Yes, yes, it's our president. Lula, I'm so happy, happy, happy. Don't I, I don't believe it. I'm so happy. So happy. So that was Regino Bueno, a lifetime citizen of Rio de Janeiro and a committed leftist. Lula is due to be sworn in on January 1st. The former leader of the Metal Workers Union, Lula served two terms as president from 2003 to 2010. His generous welfare programs lifted tens of millions of Brazilians out of poverty, and he left office with an 80% approval rating. His election is also expected to be good news for the Amazon jungle and rainforest and its indigenous inhabitants, both of which have come under relentless assault from Bolsonaro-backed agribusiness interests. Lula has vowed to meet with conservationists. The Amazon is the world's largest rainforest and the quote-unquote lungs of the planet. Their continued devastation under Bolsonaro would have had a devastating climate, would has, has devastating climate consequences and, and would continue. Right. And this time, Lula comes into office at the head of a broad anti-Bolsonaro coalition that encompasses political parties from the left to the center right. So how he will govern remains to be seen. Right, John. And what we're seeing at this time is is that in politics, the strength of the far right movements like Bolsonaro's and Trump's here in the U.S. forces the left to make alliances with the center. And those alliances are full of contradictions. And here in the U.S., the midterm elections will be held next Tuesday. Early voting is underway in many states, including New York, which began on Saturday. A fully 
Trumpified Republican Party is looking to regain control of the House and Senate, as well as to cement, cement its control in a half dozen swing states from Pennsylvania to Arizona. They'll play a key role in determining the fate of the 2024 presidential election. One of the unexpectedly close races this cycle is taking place here in New York, where the latest polls show incumbent Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul only narrowly leading Republican Lee Zeldin. Here are the two candidates making their closing arguments as the race enters as the race enters its final days. This is our moment, women, to rise up and to say. Not here, not ever. This is New York. We're protecting our rights. We keep your goddamn hands off our bodies. We have to be strong. We have to be aggressive. We can leave nothing to chance. We know that our daughters and granddaughters will have fewer rights than we do if we don't rise up. I can't help the Supreme Court right now. I haven't helped them. But right now, I have to save New York. And that means we fight, we stand up, we vote, we march. We get out there. There is a crime emergency right now in New York State. This governor is unwilling to call it for what it is. Many of her allies unwilling to call it for exactly what it is. Instead, the public is being told that they shouldn't even believe what they're seeing with their own eyes. With the videos and the pictures and the news reports day in and day out. They want to be told from elected officials what they are going to do to solve it completely. We want boldness, we want courage, and that means that on day one, we will declare a crime emergency in the state of New York. And that was Zeldin speaking on October 24th um, in front of Rikers Island with the Correctional Officers Benevolent Association. New Yorkers have not elected a Republican governor in 20 years. John, why do you think this year is different? Well, Zeldin is definitely leaning into a, a anti-crime message that Eric Adams had a lot of success with last year in his uh, mayor's race. He may uh, be benefiting from sort of the ground that uh, Adams already tilled uh, Adams did a very convincing job of frightening many New Yorkers. I think it's worth noting that while obviously violent crime is a tragedy for anybody who's affected by it and all the people in their lives, the when the murder rate did increase in New York City during the pandemic in 2020, um, the, the level it reached was still lower than what it was uh, during Michael Bloomberg's three terms in office when New York City was hailed as the safest a big city in the nation, and Bloomberg's crime-fighting prowess uh, was also widely hailed. So there is a, a propaganda element to what we're seeing mm-hmm. here, uh, and and it's turning out to be uh, fairly effective. Uh, uh, Zeldin was down by as much as 24 points in one poll in August. Uh, the most recent polls that came out on the weekend had him down uh, six, uh, about six points. There was one poll that came out in, uh, I believe, yesterday or today that showed them tied, though that's a, a polling service that tends to tilt uh, toward the Republicans in their sort of the uh, out, output they they, they generate. Mm-hmm. But undoubtedly, Zeldin has like greatly closed the race. In, in recent yeah. governor's elections, uh, Democrats have won, you know, by 15, 20 points, uh, you know, r- with very little uh, effort. But I think it's also important to remember that the people of New York City voted five consecutive times for mayors Giuliani and Bloomberg 
uh, Republicans. I mean, Bloomberg later claimed he was an independent, but he was essentially uh, a plutocrat that believed in, uh, you know, very stern law and order uh, politics in, in New York City residents where the, the voters are overwhelmingly Democratic, voted for these kind of people five times in a row, then uh, pivoted to de Blasio. And then last year uh, elected uh, Eric Adams, a former police captain and someone who uh, was once a Republican himself. So uh, New York City may not be as uh, liberal as we, its reputation. And, and, uh, and Zeldin is trying to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, MAGA with Gavin McGinnis has founding ties in New York City. So um, absolutely. And also, I mean, you know, Hochul uh, has really, like many Democrats across the country, you know, has tried to lean into the uh, the issue of uh, abortion rights and uh, has emphasized her determination to preserve New York State uh, as a bastion of, of pro-choice uh uh, abortion rights. Uh, but that message doesn't seem to be uh, energizing uh, her potential voters as much, at least from what we're seeing in the polls. And uh, I was wondering what, why you think that is. I mean, obviously, uh, the the Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court was hugely unpopular, but you know, I'm not sure exactly, but thinking about sort of the uh, general public's reaction and consciousness, I think I'll say two things. One is that um, People tend to be in some sense of denial, right? Maybe people particularly in the center and the left, um, things suck, but there's nothing we can do about it. And it will never get that bad. I remember being at election parties in 2016 for Trump and up to the very last minute, people were like, oh, Hillary's winning, Hillary's winning. So I think there's the aspect of denial. In New York, we still have the right to abortion. There's this idea that in New York, people's uh, and social programs are untouchable. Um, but as you've said, everything is always subject to change. And I think the other thing is that just like we all have ingrained racism in us, um, even if we're anti-racist, we all have ingrained sexism in us, even if we're anti-sexist, if we're feminist, women have ingrained sexism. So that does come to play. And I think the hatred towards Clinton and other female Republicans, it, it, it's not that it's unwarranted. All public, all politicians should be critiqued, but there is some clear sexism underlying those those critiques of women politicians so it's going to be harder for any woman in a race right now uh, i mean hokel's race is drawing uh, some comparisons to the the clinton trump contest of 2016 where uh, clinton was heavily favored uh, she had the fundraising advantages most of the uh, prominent endorsements uh and uh trump you know uh, ran a very vitriolic campaign managed to demonize uh, clinton and of course she uh, shot herself in the in the foot many times in in many ways. Um, so I mean, one of the things that's been striking about Hochul's campaign is sort of uh, how uh, unfocused it has been uh, for most of the time. And she's run a lot of television ads. She has a war chest of forty million dollars. Um, yeah, you know, I came across a tweet yesterday from a a, a self described political junkie uh, by the name of Russell Drew in Forest Hills, where he wrote. Uh, regarding Hochul's campaign. And this is somebody who's a very ardent Democrat. Uh, no texts, no phone calls, zero campaign volunteers in my neighborhood. Uh, no idea what the uh, Hochul campaign is doing. I vote in every damn election. Maybe they think I'm a waste of resources. I ha- however, I have gotten a few messages from the Working Families Party. And I can say in my neighborhood, I haven't seen any indication that an election is about to happen. And- I haven't on either side of things, but I surely agree that I uh, Hochul is 
campaigning in the public eye less than Zeldin is. Um, you can notice that from just following their campaigns and following their social media. But we will continue to follow the story in the coming week and on the Independent News Hours election night special next Tuesday from 5 to 10 p.m. here on 99.5 FM WBAI. And we're going to take a very short break and we will be back with more.